Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you talk today about a wounded heart. A wounded heart. Now our foundation text for this series about the heart is, Matthew, is Proverbs the fourth chapter and the 23rd verse. Uh, the King James Version would say, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Uh, the, the charge is keep your heart with all diligence. Be diligent about matters concerning the heart. Uh, for out of it spring the issues of life. Um, the New Living Translation would say, guard your heart. So one says, keep it diligently. Another one says, guard your heart. Above all else, that's a pretty heavy statement in the Bible. Above every other thing as priority, make sure you are guarding your heart. Um, it, it goes on to say, for your heart determines the cause of life. These are heavy statements. Your heart determines the cause of life. Because it determines the cause of life, then you are encouraged to make sure that you guard it, protect it. And the Passion Translation will put it this way. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Whatever is happening inside is going to affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. And that gives us, that's the first time we get an idea that this heart that the Bible is talking about is not the muscle in our chest, but is something else. It, it, it's the seat of our emotions. It's where we process things. It's the place from which we make decisions in life. It goes on to say, for from there flow the wellsprings of life. And like we've said before, if I was the enemy and I understood this, that this heart is foundational, it determines the cause of life, it, it's where the wellsprings of life flow from, the issues of life come from there, then I would aim to make sure that I damage the heart. Because if I damage the heart, I have messed up the cause of a person's life. If I damage the heart, I have made sure that a person makes wrong decisions, wrong choices. If I can cause the heart to be wounded in some way, then I have caused the person to limp along in life, to go from one accident to another, one mistake to another, to say the wrong things, do the wrong things, to make decisions based on the wrong things, if I can cause damage to the heart. And the enemy is an expert at this. It's just part of his ministry. John 10 verse 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. This is by Jesus' own testimony. That this is what he does. And if the heart is so critical, 
then I'm sure you agree that he must focus a lot of attention on the heart. If, it, if the wellsprings of life flow from the heart, then all he has to do is pollute the wellspring and what comes out of the wellspring is polluted. So he pays a lot of attention to the heart. He wants to make sure that the heart is wounded. And he has a lot of help in life. Because there are so many circumstances that he can take advantage of to cause a wound in the heart. And it's up to us to know that my heart is wounded and I need to do something about it. But there's ample opportunity in life for normal circumstances, abnormal circumstances sometimes, that he takes advantage of. You know, the Bible says he's roaming around like a roaring lion looking for who to devour. Now, how does that work? He's looking for an advantage, an opportunity. He's looking for an opening. He's looking for the right circumstances so that he can come in and cause a wound in the heart. And the circumstances present themselves. A broken relationship. A divorce, a long-term illness, and all this is roaming around looking for openings. That in the course of the divorce, there'll be openings for him to come in and wound, kill, steal, and destroy, cause a wound in the heart, a long-term illness. A challenging, maybe even dysfunctional childhood. A toxic environment in which a child is brought up. Maybe a mother has to deal or a father has to deal with children that have gone astray. He's looking for all these opportunities. Constantly, he, he is diligent in his assignment to steal, to kill, and destroy. If he wasn't so diligent, the world would not be in such the mess that it is. All he wants to do, taking advantage of these opportunities, whatever they are. Words that are spoken. Spiteful words, hateful words, demeaning words that are spoken. Sometimes by authority figures. Sometimes by people in relationships where they should be protecting and nurturing and nourishing. Sometimes words that we speak to ourselves in our minds. And all the time he's watching to see if he has an opening that he can take advantage of. What does he want to do? He wants to induce a state of affairs that is the opposite of the presence of God. He wants to bring hopelessness. He wants to bring discouragement. He wants to bring dejection. Because you see, this, this is the environment he thrives in. Where there's dejection, then he can look for an opening to cause a wound in the heart. Where there's hopelessness, he can hopefully cause, hopefully for him, cause a wound in the heart. He wants to create fear. He wants to bring heartache. 
He wants to bring mourning that does not mourn, that, that does not follow the biblical example of mourning. Of course we mourn, but we never enter morbid mourning. He wants to induce morbid mourning. He wants to bring gloom, low spirits. And he would have his way if it wasn't for God. Can someone say with me, but God? Go and say it boldly. Go and say it one more time in here. If you're online, type it into the chat box, but God. The psalmist says in Psalm 73, verse 26, My flesh and my heart fail, the New King James Version. And it could have been any of these situations or more that he was describing. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The psalmist brings encouragement to us to say sometimes life circumstances, some of what I have described and what I haven't described, the, we the weariness, the fatigue, the feeling of being overwhelmed, all this are the kind of environment that he's looking to take advantage of. And sometimes, like the psalmist, we actually arrive at a point where we say to ourselves, my flesh and my heart fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You know, as I thought about the sermon today, I thought, you know, the Bible is just an amazing book. It had to have been written by God. There are so many examples in the Bible of people who found themselves in a situation, facing life circumstances, probably carried wounds in their hearts. Someone say with me, but God. Go and lift your voice and say it. Go and say it with authority. I remember Hagar, a maidservant of the matriarch of our faith, doing her job. And as a maidservant, being totally obedient. And so, her madam decides that since she can have children, Hagar should go in and have a sexual relationship with her husband. Obviously, it was permissible then so that she could have a child. And Hagar does that. Obedient maid servant. And she gets pregnant. And has a child, Ishmael. And then suddenly, her, ma her madam turns on her. And starts to ill-treat her. Turns on the husband, who I know, I can imagine Abraham saying, but I, what did I do? I sat here on my own. You said she should come. I should go into her. I did what you said. Now I'm to blame. And you know, a man who wants peace, he said, whatever you want to do with her, do with her. And so she chases her away. I can imagine how Hagar felt. And someone might understand this. What have I done wrong? I was minding my own business. Does somebody understand that? 
I was doing my own thing. I was just trying to get by with life. And now look at the, sta- look at the mess. I've been sent out with this child to die. I tried to imagine her emotions, the pain, the dejection as she put the child down and prepared to watch the child die. If you're talking about a wounded heart, that was a woman who was wounded. But then as she stayed there, I remember Shola shared about this during PUG. God looked down at her and God saw her plight. God spoke to her. God gave her an assurance that he was with her and he was with her son. And her response in Genesis, the 16th chapter and the 13th verse. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? I want to say to someone that God sees you. For that person who said amen, God sees you. He sees what caused the wound. And he has a solution if you would come to him. Then I also remembered Hannah. Oh, talk about a wounded heart. In those days, to have a a child was a yardstick, a measurement of the completion of a woman. She didn't have a child. To make matters worse, she had Penina. How many remember Penina? Don't put up your hands. But how many have Peninas in their lives? Don't put up your hands, please. Just in case Penina is sitting near you. I was joking. Penina was taunting, mocking, ridiculing. And someone might have been there. The wounds, the arrows that Penina was throwing, the darts. And to make matters worse, the one person who she thought would understand, Elkanah, didn't understand. Someone knows what I mean. Where you run to someone who you think should get it. But Elkanah was like, what's this whole thing? Am I not more than ten sons to you? No, you're not, Elkanah. I have an issue that you don't get. And so she runs to God. The one place of safety. The one person who is guaranteed to understand. The one person who knows. The one person who feels. The one person who gets it. And when she goes in there, the Bible describes her state of mind. And please tell me that this is not a wounded heart. In 1 Samuel 1 verse 10, the Bible says she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Her heart was wounded. But I take encouragement from Hannah. And if there are any Hannahs, take encouragement. Say with me again, but God. Go and say it boldly. 
Prophesy it into your situation. Verse 19, they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. <laughs> Can I prophesy over your life? That the Lord himself will remember you. Amen. That even as we speak, the Lord says to someone, I have remembered you. Yeah. In the process of time, Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. May everything that you have asked for from the Lord, that is in accordance with the will of God, may your testimony be, by the end of this year, that your Samuel has come because you asked of the Lord. I'm talking about wounded hearts. Can you, can, you, can you talk about wounded hearts and not talk about Solomon? If you're talking about a dysfunctional family, Solomon was born into a dysfunctional family. He was born into rumors and gossip. His mother had been the wife of someone who was very close to his father. Gave his life to protect his father. The father had murdered him. Married his mother. He grew up in a family that makes the modern day dysfunctional family look highly functional. His brother slept with his sister. Another brother slept with the father's wife on the roof so the whole village could know. Another brother tried to usurp power from the father. This was normal life for Solomon. So some of us think my upbringing was tough and dysfunctional. Please compare it to Solomon's. I'm not too sure that anybody can measure up to that level of dysfunction. I'm sure as he walked around, there were whispers. He was stigmatized. But then the Bible says something that I found. 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 12, verse 24. This is the birth of Solomon. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her and lay with her. So she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him. Oh, God. Thank God that he does not call a committee. Thank God that he does not ask anybody's opinion. Thank God that is not by an election. Thank God that he decided himself that despite this boy's dysfunctional upbringing, Despite the, the way the boy came into this earth, I have chosen to love him. Can I say to someone that you don't have to ask anybody. God himself has said it enough times in this book for you to know, my sister, that God loves you. 
It doesn't matter how wounded your heart is. God loves you. That was the message. From the time he was born, God loved him. How do I know that you and I are in the same place? Because his, his word tells us that. The only reason he went to the cross to die for you and I was simply because of his love for us. It doesn't matter how damaged your heart is. Receive the love of God into your heart and that's the start of the healing process. Can someone say to, you, say to yourself, God loves me. Go and say it one more time. Go and think about all the things that are happening around you that are trying to say the contrary and declare it to those things. God loves me. And may Solomon's testimony be yours. That one night God appears to him and says, your worship has pleased me. What do you want? And really, I can go on and on, example after example. I remember Gideon. Here was a young man who had heard so many great things about God, but found himself in this position where he was a second-class citizen. Do you know what it is to be a second-class citizen? Where, where you are ill-treated, not because of anything in you, but just because of who you are where you come from, sadly sometimes the color of your skin, sometimes the way you speak, sometimes the name that you bear. And is it any wonder that sometimes people change their names? It's written a book, one beautiful book, Shalana I read on holiday. Um, I, read, I read everything John Grisham writes, incidentally. Every book. I think I've read every John Grisham book. And the three I hadn't read, the two I hadn't read, I read them this holiday. I'm waiting for the next one. I'm just a John Grisham. I'm just, I just love John Grisham. I've got to tell you, he, he's, um, his sister was here um, at a program, and I didn't realize she was a sister. I know her, you know. I actually know her quite well, but I just never put two and two together. And she was sitting there, and then Revy said to me, oh, that's John Grisham's sister. I said, yeah, that's true, Wendy Grisham. Do you know, I was, I was like those, you know those, those uh, ladies who follow stars and are starstruck. I was just starstruck. I got on the stage, I couldn't speak. I just kept saying, John Grisham's sister, John Grisham's sister. You are John Grisham's sister. You really are. And people were like, Pastor, preach, get on with the thing. Anyway, we read a book called um, Sully. It's actually a book that Shola and I would ask everyone to read. Fantastic book yeah, called Sully, John Grisham. But why was I telling that story? Because his name was actually Suleiman. But, you know, he just changed it to Sully. You know, that thing damages you, where you have to change your identity so that you can be accepted. And some of you, you know, you've, you've done it. One to Rocha becomes Watu. <laughs> That's how Gideon was. Just a second class citizen. And he'd heard all these great things that God had done. But here he was living under the oppression of the Midianites. 
suffocating in a cellar, trying to beat corn so that they could bake bread to eat. And then an angel appears to him. And the angel says to him, Judges 6 verse 13, verse 11 and 12, verse 12. The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. You can imagine the wounds in his heart from his circumstances. And then he hears a word of God. God is with you, mighty man of valor. He looks at his circumstances. He listens to the word. And he says there's no correlation. Has anybody ever been there? Where you receive a word from God, you know it's from God. But your circumstances are saying the exact opposite of that word. The struggle to hold on, to believe with what your heart is telling you, the wounds in your heart. And today might be a day like that for someone. God is speaking to you. He's saying to you, I'm taking you over. He's saying to you, you're going across. He's saying to you, the situation is turning. He's saying to you, the door will open. He's saying to you, the circumstances have changed. He's saying to you, I'm turning it all around. He's saying to you, I'm lifting you up. But you look at your circumstances, and your circumstances are saying the exact opposite. What did he say to God? Verse 13, if God is with us, then why has all this happened to us? It's a natural reaction. Why am I in this position if what you're saying is true? Where are all his miracles our fathers told us about? It would seem that he has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. His psyche had been so affected. The wounds in his heart were so deep that he began to confess negatively. Be careful what you say. Words are weighty. They create. They shape. But when your heart is so wounded, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth tends to speak except you put a zip on your mouth. He said, how can the Lord save Israel? He says in verse 15, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. I pray that God will cancel every negative prophecy you have said over your life in the name of Jesus. I declare in the name of Jesus that by God's grace and mercy, every negative word you have spoken in anger, in despair, in depression, in frustration, I declare in the name of Jesus Christ that by his mercy, every negative word you have spoken over your life is canceled. And would I talk about wounded hearts without talking about the Samaritan woman at the well? If you're looking for wounded, that was wounded. Five husbands. Just that 
phrase alone is a whole book. Five husbands means rejection upon rejection upon rejection. Five husbands means failure upon failure upon failure. Five husbands means shame upon shame, stigma upon stigma. Five husbands means being the focus of gossip. Five husbands means betrayal upon betrayal. If you're talking about wounded hearts, this woman's heart was pockmarked with wounds. Five husbands means a sense of hopelessness about tomorrow. So much so that she didn't even want to try again. She just lived with the sixth man. No need. The man might have said to her, honey, let's get married. She said, forget about that marriage stuff. It doesn't work. Been there, done that five times. But one encounter. Somebody say, but God. It didn't take two encounters. Somebody say, but God. One encounter with Jesus. Don't forget she was a Samaritan woman. So here was a woman who was already dealing with racial discrimination. On top of that, she had to deal with all the stuff that came out of five husbands. The failure, the rejection, the betrayal. Constantly looking at herself and wondering, am I... You know, after it's happened to you five times, you even stop blaming the other people and start to blame yourself. Someone say, but God. One encounter. And her whole heart was turned around. And I couldn't but end with our Lord and Savior himself. He had to have experienced it so that he could legitimately, justly stand and say, I can heal your heart. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. Mark 15, verse 33. The New Living Translation says, Then at 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Sometimes we think the most painful thing that happened to Jesus was the nails being driven into his hands. It wasn't. As painful as that must be. The doctors will tell us that the pain level he felt there by God's grace, none of us will ever feel that kind of pain. We might think it was when the nails were driven into his feet that was painful. We just stub our toes and we shriek for the whole world to hear. All we did was stub our toes. We might feel that the pain was when the cross was pulled up. Because don't forget... You're crucified with the cross flat on the ground. And then when you are nailed to the cross, the cross is now pulled up. And the weight of your body is pulling in an opposite direction. You might feel that was the, the most pain he suffered. It wasn't. Someone might say, have you thought of what it is like for a spear to be thrust into your side? 
a gaping wound to form and water and blood rushing out. That must have been painful. It wasn't the most painful thing. Someone might say it was when the crown of thorns was pressed into his head. Blood gushing down his face. The lovely pictures we see of Jesus on the cross, it wasn't anything like that. Someone might say it was when his back was lacerated with the Roman whip. A whip that had tongues around it so that it tore the flesh 39 times. That wasn't the most painful thing. The most painful thing we hear in this haunted cry. Because you see, at the same time, Jesus was both God and man. He had to be so that he could take your place and my place. If he was God alone, then he couldn't take your place and my place. He had to be like you and I, tempted but without sin. So that he could take our place, we who were tempted and sinned. The most painful thing for him was for the first time that beautiful relationship we had with his father where even before he called, his father responded. The beautiful flow, the synergy of the Trinity was broken for you and I. You need to understand the price he paid for you. He cries out, my father, my father, where are you? And nothing for the first time, the Bible says he feels abandoned. He knows what it is to feel abandoned. That's why he can say to you, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I don't know what state your heart is in, but will you come unto him? That's the question. See, because a, lo a lot of us are, we play games. We wear masks. We become experts at it. We dress the part. We cover up rather than deal with the situation. Every single one of the people I have mentioned went to God. And when they went to him, he was waiting for them. Hannah went to the temple. Gideon had the encounter with God. The woman with the issue, with the, the woman, the Samaritan woman met him at the well. She went to the well. There's a going to God. There's a being vulnerable with God. If we can't be vulnerable with men, surely we can at least start by being vulnerable with God. Saying to God, God, you know what? I might not have admitted it to anybody, but I'm wounded in my heart. If that's you, why don't you take a step of faith? Let this be your encounter and come forward now. That's the invitation I have to you. Come unto God from wherever you are. Come unto God. Don't wait for the person next to you. They are, they are forming, you know. That's what they are doing. Don't form with them. Don't, don't. Come. 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 And if you're online, go into the chats. Those in the chats, you know, there are pastors who are there and there are leaders who are there will start to pray for you. But you're in this auditorium. Come. Come. This is the start, the first encounter. Come. 
You know, you know, you don't need anybody to tell you. Who needs, to, who needs anybody to tell you if you're carrying a wound in your heart? You know what is in your heart. You know what is causing you to live. Come, 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 come. We're trusting God that that step of faith as you come is the beginning. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's, not the, it's not the end, it's the beginning. And we'll tell you a few things that you can do on this journey, but come from where you are. Come, come. You know there's pain in your heart. Come, come. I need all the, 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 the pastors and the ministry team, the deacons and deaconesses. We, we're going to pray for you. That's what church is. We come here to be healed. We can't go back the same way. You, you won't go back the same way. The devil is a liar. The wound in your heart is healed. Come, I need a, a ministry team up front, please. Hallelujah. I need a ministry team up front. There are quite so many people. Hallelujah. We pray. We pray with you from our hearts. We feel your pain. And you know, some of you have been let down even by church itself. Church has let you down. Your, your leaders have let you down. Some of us might have let you down. Don't carry that wound. Come from wherever you are. We're trusting the Spirit of God to come. It's not the man or woman praying for you. Their heart is knit with yours. You can't carry that wound away. And like, will you worship for me and bring down God's healing in this place? Thank you, Lord. And for those of you who are online, I'm joining my faith with yours. I'm praying with you now, even now. Go on, our, 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 our ministry team, our pastors, our leaders, let's pray for them. Pray for, pray for them from the bottom of our hearts. Nobody goes away from this place with a wound in their heart. No. No, that, that is, the devil is a liar. And Holy Spirit, wherever the rest of our congregation is at this point in time, even as they're being prayed for by our hosts and hostesses, I ask that your spirit will come upon them. This is the start of this of your journey to healing. How great the Oh Lord of mercy. between Yes, Lord. How high the mountain. Yes, Lord. I could not climb. No more. No more. In desperation. No more. No more. I turn to heaven. Yes, Lord. Spoke your yes, name Lord. into the night. Wherever you then are online, the darkness, may the Spirit of God come upon your you. Your love and kindness tore through the shadows. He wants to take on your burden, He wants to take on your pain. He's, he's felt it, He understands the work it. Is Just come to Him. The come to him. 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 As much as it's humanly possible, we feel your pain.
why don't you join us in worship? anyone who is in this auditorium or you're worshiping with us online and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior the journey to healing can't start the journey to anything can't start without accepting Jesus into your heart and so if you would want to open the door of your heart and ask Jesus to come in would you just say this prayer with me and mean every word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus. I receive him into my heart as my Lord and Savior today. I commit myself to a life of obedience to him 
Help me, God. I turn away from anything that I know that I'm doing that doesn't please him. I declare by my confession today that I am now a child of yours, born again today into your family. In Jesus' name, together we say, Amen. 